Good morning, everyone. <coughs> this is the third day of this Genzoe, and almost half is over, but still I'm talking about the first sentence <laughs> <laughs> of Shobo Genzo Zenki, and this is not unusual. It's often <laughs> this way, because Dogen's insight is very kind of unique, even within Buddhist any Buddhist traditions. So if we are going to are stuck in our common thinking or in our common understanding of Buddhist teachings, sometimes, or not sometimes, but often, we don't really understand what he's talking about. That's why I have to uh, talk about the foundation on which uh, he's discussing Dharma. And to me, the foundation of his foundation is Zazen. So he's always talking about his Zazen and from his Zazen. That is why I think it's kind of difficult to understand uh, when we use our common way of thinking. So in the first sentence, let me read the first paragraph. Uh, the great way of all Buddhas, when it is completely penetrated, is revelation and is manifestation. Liberation means that life liberates itself from life, and also death liberates itself from death. Therefore, there is leaving life and death, there is entering life and death. Both are the great way that is completely penetrated. There is abandoning life and death, there is crossing over life and death, both are the great way that is completely penetrated. Manifestation is life. Life is manifestation. At the time of the manifestation, there is nothing but the total manifestation of life. There is nothing but the total manifestation of death. So he's talking about liberation uh, and manifestation. And I talked about these two, two sides of one thing, uh, using his discussion about uh, firewood and ash in Genjo Koan. Uh, and when he discussed about, about fire, firewood and, and ash, when uh, firewood is burned, it becomes ash. He's talking about life and death. And here also he's talking about life and death. And when he said liberation uh, and manifestation, uh, in the uh, flow of time, now this thing is staying in the Dharma position of firewood or, in this case, life. And uh, 
any time when it was burned, it became ash, or we also become ash when we, die, we are dead. Anyway, so there is a transition or tra change from firewood to ash. But he, uh, in Genjo Koan, he said firewood stayed in the Dharma position of firewood and before and after is cut off. That means this is perfect moment. When firewood stay in the firewood, Dharma position of firewood, firewood is 100% firewood. And it's not a continuation from the live tree. And it's not a, a uh, what is the word? Uh, preparation to be ash. In our mind, we make a kind of a story. Before firewood became firewood, it was a living tree, and it will become ash. This is how we think, and that is okay. It's not more than okay. That is how we understand the uh, process of changing. And this process of changing means firewood cannot be firewood. So firewood is liberated from being firewood. That, that is what liberation means. Firewood is uh, free from being firewood. And yet, at the same time, firewood is 100% firewood, nothing else. So there are two sides. Firewood is only firewood at this present moment. But any time this firewood goes to the next stage and become ash. So firewood has no, uh, it's uh, completely there, but it has no uh, clinging to the Dharma position of firewood. So uh, firewood can become ash any time when it burned. That is uh, my understanding of liberation. Firewood is liberated to be firewood. And yet, firewood manifests itself 100% as firewood. That is manifestation of liberation. And uh, another uh, example might be a baby. You know, a baby is 100% a baby really staying in the dharma position of baby. Baby has no desire to become, you know, old person. <laughs> but somehow within this dharma position of a baby or baby food, a baby has a life which negates baby food. So within this uh, manifestation as a baby, the baby has a force to negate the baby food and become a girl or a boy. And those girls or a boy become teenagers and young adult and middle-aged person and old people like us and become ash. That is the process. So each moment is perfect moment, complete moment. And yet within this perfect complete moment, 
there is a energy or a force, life force, that change that is liberated from this moment. So there are two, two sides. One is 100% we are here. And another aspect is we are always moving, changing. These two is really uh, important aspect of our life. And also to understand Dogen's understanding of uh, Dharma. I mean, uh, this is not only uh, about the time, but you know, we always say it uh, here, now, and self. That is our practice, settle down and being mindful and being attentive right now, right here, and what we are doing. That is our practice of uh, mindfulness or awakening also. And uh, about now, you know, it is uh, what I said, you know, now is this moment, but it's also moving, it has, and as yesterday I said, uh, this now has no rings. When we, I pronounce na, u is still in the future. When I say u, now is already in the past. So we cannot really grasp now because now has no length. But I said yesterday that this uh, one time, uh, when we take a much closer, close look at the reality, one time becomes zero, no length. And when there's no length, uh, the time which has no segment, the time which doesn't flow, revealed within this uh, moment without length. So uh, uh, I always said this one time, one equals zero equals infinity. This is a kind of strange thing to say but not only about the time, but uh, about space, we can say the same thing. You know, if when I say I am here to the people who live in Japan, I'm, this here can mean United States. But uh, when I say I'm here to the people uh, who live in Indiana, here can be can mean New York, and uh, when I say I'm here to the people who is in this room, I'm this side of the room, and you are another side of the room. So there are here, here, and there. But if there is even a, a slightest uh, size, we can divide it into two and here and there. So actually, here has no, no size. Here is only a position without any extension. But uh, when that is one place here, 
is really zero. No, no such place called here. Then this where we are, where I am, is one with this entire universe because there's no such separation between here and there. There's no there, only here. And within this entire space, only this entire entire space is here. There's no there. So about the uh, space, we can also say one this past this place is there, and we when we really attentive and mindful and focus and settle down right now, right here, here disappeared. And when here disappeared, here uh, is one with this entire space. And uh, about the self is the same. You know, but now I'm Shohaku is talking about kind of a strange teaching by Dogen. That is what I'm doing. And when I'm doing this wholeheartedly, you know, and take a look at what I'm doing now, Shohaku disappeared. Shohaku is just a tentative name of these five scandals. And what I'm talking now is all what I studied uh, from my teacher or from uh, Dogen's writings and from other books and from my friends and fr from all the experience I had in the past. There's no such thing called a Shohaku. That is, you know, another very basic teaching of Buddha. There's no self, anatoman. So, uh, Shohaku is simply uh, just a collection of those uh, experiences from the past. That is my karma. So, when we close look, take a close look at Shohaku, Shohaku disappeared. Then Shohaku is one with all beings, this entire network of interdependent origination. So uh, to me, we can say one equals zero equals infinity about everything. That, mean, that is what we are, uh, that is how we practice. This means, this means uh, not only about life and death, but this also means about the bodhisattva practice, you know, as a kind of a common understanding of uh, Mahayana Buddhist practice. We allow bodhicitta to be aspired to become, uh, walk the path, to walk the path of bodhisattva path, bodhisattva practice, and the destination is Buddha, food. And uh, according to Mahayana teachings, it said there are 52 stages from starting point to the goal. And it takes more than forever. <laughs> but in each lifetime, we can walk only a little bit. Even, even if we practice 30, 40, 50 years, it's still a very tiny period of time. But in each moment, in each lifetime and each moment, 
that is a perfect moment. Therefore, uh, if we practice really attentive and mindful and focus and settle down right now, right here, uh, we are one together with this entire process. Otherwise, if otherwise, if in our common understanding, if we start to practice and walk toward this direction, unless we reach the goal, you know, this this process is meaningless. We call it a failure unless we reach the goal. But if we think you know, each moment is a perfect moment, and each moment and entire process is one thing. Each moment is most important thing, and we are already in the goal. That is what Dogen says uh, when uh, he says, uh, practice and enlightenment or realization are one. When we do this right now, right here, wholeheartedly, then we are one together, one with all beings, entire time, entire space, and this entire process of the way. That is the difference between our common understanding of Buddhist teachings and Dogen's uh, point. And I think this Dogen's point is not his kind of a, a personal, unique idea. But it came from his experience and awakening within his Zazen practice. You know, when, uh, as I said, the first day, uh, my teacher's style of practice is really just sitting. And we had a five days session uh, each month, at least uh, 10 times a year. And that means we, have, we sit five days from four in the morning until nine in the evening, 14 periods a day at four or five days. And we sit in this way every three weeks, each month means. And you know, when we sit in that way uh, all day for five days, you know, first, first day, of course, as a continuation of our day-to-day -day lives, uh, we think many things I experienced, and some, some things make me happy, and other things make me angry or sad. Those things are coming and going within my mind. And also fast in the first day, because uh, you know, the pace, uh, we suddenly slow down. Before the session, we are busy but suddenly slow down and become peaceful, we become sleepy. So first day, uh, we have a problem of sleepiness. And then uh, when we go through the time, uh, we have more pain. So after sleepiness is gone, uh, pain becomes problems, and we need to struggle with the pain. And uh, somehow, after two or three days, I think our body adjusts to this sitting. So uh, pain is not a problem anymore. Then our next problem is thinking. We start to think so many things. 
but by the end of Thursday, usually, we also become tired of thinking. And as I said in the beginning, I'm thinking about what I experienced uh, before the session, you know, what is going on. Or uh, we think after the session, we have to do this and that. So we start, we think about the past or the future. But when we become tired, we just give up. So by the third or fourth day, sleepiness is gone, and pain is not so much problem. And thinking, our mind come down. So sometimes I feel like in Genjoko and Dogen said, when we are you know sailing in the boat by the coast we see the coast is moving or the boat is moving. I think that is how what we experience in the beginning of the session. Things are going, moving or I'm moving. We are not sure. But uh, when the boat uh, is sailing in the great ocean, there's nothing we can, we don't see anything only the circle of the ocean. Uh, during that five-day session, uh, third or fourth day, I've, not always, not always so, sometimes I feel I was like an ocean, and past is really gone, and the future has not yet come. I'm really here and now, that's all, and it's not me. You know, my thought, thought is coming and going, but that is not my thought. I'm not thinking. I'm tired of thinking, so I'm just sitting. Within this just sitting, there's no future, and no, I mean, no past and no future. But this five scandals just sitting is a res actually a result of our entire past. And also, this sitting is uh, uh, one with everything may happen in the future. So both uh, past and future is included within this moment, within this just sitting. That is how we uh, experience. It's not an idea. So I don't think this is Dogen's kind of a unique philosophical idea or thought, but it, it, this insight came from his experience of not only Zazen, but also all, the, all his experience, including studying Buddhist texts, of course. So if we apply this for in a, into a day-to-day -day activities, for example, when uh, we are cutting vegetables in the kitchen, you know, depending upon what we are making, whether we are making salad or soup or something else, the way to cut must be different. So we have to think, you know, about uh, past, present, and future, of course. And, and we need to uh, grasp what we are cooking. 
and what this can be in the future. But when we really attentive of cutting vegetables, you know, past and future is, is dropped off. And only this activity, action. And yet, within this action of just cutting vegetables, uh, mindfully and attentively, uh, bring the future. And it becomes salad or soup. So important point is right now, right here, as a genjo or manifestation. But what we are doing at this moment, as a perfect moment, bring about the future. So there are two sides. One is each moment is independent, perfect moment. And yet, this has connection with entire time, future, past and future, or entire universe. So we are such a small, tiny beings, still these small, tiny beings, if, if we awaken to the reality of there is no such thing called here, now, and self, then we are one with this entire time, entire universe, and entire network of interdependent origination. To me, this is amazing, not idea, amazing insight or awakening. And these, uh, you know, two sides, liberation uh, and manifestation, is in the uh, Buddhist teaching or philosophy came from uh, you know, form is emptiness and emptiness is form. And also in the Diamond Sutra, I think you are familiar with Diamond Sutra. It's a part, part of the uh, Prajnaparamita Sutras. There is one <coughs> sentence, uh, Translation by Red Pine is as follows. <coughs> Could you erase this? Since the possession of attributes, since the possession of attribute is an illusion, Shibuti, and no possession of attribute is no illusion. By means of attributes, that are no attributes, that Tathagata can indeed be seen. This, I think this is a translation from Sanskrit. Uh, but in Chinese, in Chinese translation, this sentence is something like, <coughs> thank you. Uh, maybe first half is not in uh, necessary. Nyaku ken shoso hiso soku. I'm sorry. Soku ken nyorai nyaku 
can shoso hiso soku ken nyorai. Nyaku is if or when. Ken is C. Shoso is all forms. And hiso is no or not form. Then uh, it it is self seeing, same ken seeing. Nyorai is tatagata. So usually this sentence, this very simple Chinese sentence, is read and translated into English, English such as, oh, "When if we see." All forms are no form or not form. Then we see tatagata. That means these are all forms, each and different forms. But uh, to see all forms as no form means to see the emptiness of all beings, all forms. Then we see tatagata. You know, this is the basic teaching of prajna parameter or about emptiness. Uh, this means uh, when we see this as a form, it's an illusion. Actually, there's no such things called the forms. So we should see the emptiness. So when we negate the form and see the emptiness of each being, then we see the Tathagata. Uh, in this case, Tathagata doesn't mean a person, but Tathagata means reality itself. This Nyo is thusness, thus, and Lai is calm. So Tathagata is translated as a thus come one. But here, Tathagata is not the one or the person, but the, the reality or thusness itself is called tathagata. So when we, we become free from each and every forms and see the emptiness of form, then we see the reality of all beings. That is common way of reading this sentence, but Dogen Zenji read different ways. As usual, he many times he checked, even twisted the meaning. Even they, he destroyed the grammar or ignored the Chinese grammar and, uh, and twisted the meaning. And here he says, in this case, uh, he didn't destroy the grammar, but he just slightly, slightly twist. That is, uh, the way he did this is, if we see uh, all forms, and he said, and, and no form, we see that Tathagata. You know, there's a slight difference. Do you see the, under, the, see the difference? In this case, uh, this all forms is not negated. So we should see both form and no form. 
then we see Tathagata. Usually, uh, understanding is we should negate our view of all forms and see emptiness. Then we see Tathagata, or reality. But Dogen says we need to see both forms and no forms at the same time. Of course, as a view, we cannot see you know, form and no form at the same time, or view or as an object. So this, this way of viewing is not, uh, cannot, it's not possible when we think in the uh, structure of subject and object. We cannot see uh, as an object. We cannot see both form and no form as object of our sense organs. That means our mind. This, because this is about both subject and object. This separation itself is a problem. So we need to go beyond this separation and uh, we think we are the observer, and we see those objects of sense organs, and we create some image, and make definition, and evaluate, and uh, say, you know, this is what I want, or this is what I don't like. Then we make choice, and we, uh, when we encounter something we want, or something we think uh, important or meaningful or variable, then we want to make this my position. But often it's not possible or it's difficult. So we run after or chase after that thing. And when we encounter something uh, we don't like or we don't think important or it doesn't give me a pleasant sensation, then I don't like that. And, and yet, they, those things, you know, come without my agreement. So I get angry, and I hate that thing, and I want to escape from that thing. You know, this uh, separation between subject and object, and uh, when these two encounters, something happens in our mind like and dislike, or judgment, or discrimination of good and bad, then our life becomes running. Running after something we want, or esca escaping from something we don't want. That, that this, this is a starting point of our life becomes sansara. We are always chasing after something, or escaping from something. And sometimes we are successful and we can possess everything we want. And my desire was completely, perfectly uh, fulfilled. And we are uh, happy, like uh, heavenly beings. But more often, we are not so successful. Or sometimes we feel we are in the hell. No desire can be fulfilled, only suffering. Those are, you know, 
transmigration. Traditionally, it said uh, we transmigrate, transmigrate within six realms of samsara. Uh, but we can see we are transmigrating not only life after life, but within this lifetime, almost moment after moment, you know, we are transmigrating. We are, our life is really up and down. Sometimes we feel like a heavenly beings, and next moment we can feel, you know, this is hell. Or often we feel like a hungry ghost. We want to get more and more, but there's no satisfaction. So even if we don't, we don't, we cannot believe, you know, this uh, reverse life after life as a Buddhist traditional teaching, we can see the validity of this teaching of transmigration within this lifetime in my own way of life. Anyway, that is life and death. Life and death, Chinese expression, life and death or shoji. is a translation of Sanskrit word sansara, or transmigration. Transmigrating throughout life, or birth and, and death, being born and dying, is an uh, expression of sansara. And uh, by seeing the forms, and evaluating, we create samsara. And a common understanding of Buddha's teaching is we need to free from this structure. Then we enter nirvana. That means no such separation, no such judgment, just be no desires, just be there without any you know, running after or escaping from. That is nirvana. But an uh, important point for Dogen is you know, this way of thinking. We need to escape from sansara and chase after nirvana. Is another sansara. Create another sansara. Right? I don't like this. I, I like that. So I try to escape from samsara and try want to enter nirvana. Often this is our motivation to practice or studying Buddhist teaching and practice something like Zazen in order to stop chasing after or stop escaping and settle down right now, right here. That is nirvana. But the problem is it's so difficult. <laughs> so uh, fat, not only Dogen, but fat, uh, Mahayana teaching uh, means as a Bodhisattva practice. You know, yesterday I said uh, because of Bodhisattva vow, you know, our practice is not entering nirvana. We need, as a Bodhisattva, we need to stay samsara. You know, 
the beings are numberless, we have to save them means I don't enter nirvana until all beings enter nirvana. I, I am the last person to enter nirvana. And if uh, you know, all bodhisattva want to be the last person to enter nirvana, you know, nirvana is empty. No one is there. That is kind of a strange thing. But that is what I said yesterday, that our goal, the goal of our practice is not entering nirvana. But that is not true. I mean, it's half true, that, but not entire true, entirely true. I mean, this is a kind of a common understanding. You know, there is, we are within the sansara, we are in this shore, and nirvana is the other shore. So we need to uh, leave sansara and enter nirvana to find peace. And that is a problem. This structure of thinking is a problem. So when we practice, like uh, following Bodhisattva Bhav, and we determine to work and practice in this shore, uh, in sansara, then uh, when all Bodhisattvas, all people, have this attitude, you know, this shore, this place uh, can be nirvana. So there's no such separation between sansala and nirvana. That is another point. And when we practice in this way, that means we are living, we don't escape from sansala. And we don't desire or want, wish to enter nirvana. Then uh, this is important to understand the rest of this paragraph. Then uh, in, in Mahayana Buddhism, there is uh, another kind of a concept of nirvana. That is, uh, in the early Buddhism, there are uh, two kinds of nirvana. Uh, one is uyonehan. And second is mu yo neham. Neham means nirvana. And u and mu and yo is the same, both. This yo means something extra. And u yo means there is something extra, even though it is in nirvana. And there's nothing extra. And these two are two kind of, or two categories of nirvana. When Shakyamuni Buddha attained uh, awakening and became Buddha, he entered nirvana. And yet he had, a, he had still, he still he had a body or five skandhas. So uh, he had certain pain or suffering. You know, sometimes when he had a, a summer practice period, no one offered uh, food. So it might be difficult for his body, but he didn't suffer, but he had, probably he had hungry hunger. Uh, 
And when he was dying, after he became 80, when he was walking, he became sick, when he ate something poisonous, then he said, I'm, I have pain. So as far as he had body, he had pain or some uh, difficulties. So even though he, even though after he, uh, he became Buddha, he was in Nirvana, but he had certain difficulties because he had a physical body. So uh, like before his death, he was saying, I'm uh, it's very painful, so he need to rest. He couldn't walk. So Nirvana is not without pain. Nirvana is, or awakening or enlightenment is not a painkiller. <laughs> we still have pain, or even Shakyamuni had pain, even after he was enlightened. But when he entered Parinibbana, after he died, he entered complete nirvana without body, without physical body. In that parinibbana or great nirvana, he had no pain, of course. He, he became free from his physical body. These are considered two kinds of nirvana in the early Buddhism. But Mahayana Buddhism create another kind of nirvana. that is called Muju Shoneham. Nehan is Nirvana, and Mu is No, Ju is Abiding and show is praise. So uh, this is a nirvana uh, without abiding, no abiding. And this no abiding means bodhisattva does not abide or stay in samsara because of wisdom. But bodhisattva does not stay in nirvana because of compassion. So Bodhisattva doesn't stay either Sansara nor Nirvana. And that is called another kind of Nirvana. That, so this no abiding is another kind of Nirvana for us Bodhisattva. When we don't escape from Sansara, and try to work together with all beings to live in harmony, then we can find peace within this dif very difficult world. And uh, so we have both sansara and nirvana within our practice. And we don't abide or dwell or stay either side. That is called another uh, kind of nirvana.
so we don't escape. And we don't chase after nirvana. But we find nirvana right now, right here. That is another uh, meaning of seeing both form and no form. When we form, of course, there is something good and something not so good. There's something positive, something negative, something desirable, and something not desirable. And we have to make choice. So as far as we live in this world uh, with these five scandals, we have to make choice. In order to make choice, we have to make separations, uh, distinctions, or discrimination. And, and sometimes we are successful, and sometimes we are not successful. But if we make this kind of distinction and making choice, not for my personal benefit, but for all beings, that is our vow. That is one of the precepts we receive. You know, that is the second set of the, those 16 precepts are called the threefold pure precept. Uh, the, there are three. The first one is precept of embracing uh, moral cause. That means we try not to do unwholesome. And second is show them bokai, precept embracing all good dharmas or good actions. And the third is show shujokai, means embracing all living beings. And the first one is avoid unwholesome. And second one is practice good. Sometimes you know, avoiding unwholesome is not enough as a bodhisattva. So we have to actively do good things. But whether we avoid unwholesome or practice wholesome, we should do for the sake of all beings, not for the benefit of this person as an individual. That is the meaning of these threefold peer precept. So when we live with this precept, uh, we don't escape. And yet, we are not uh, in sansara. And we are not in nirvana. That is, this uh, nirvana without any avoiding means. And that is a nirvana for bodhisattvas. And when we practice uh, moment by moment, with wholeheartedly and attentively and mindfully. This each moment is a perfect moment. And this perfect moment uh, is as a, as from one side, this is a process of, you know, for example, when we cut the vegetables, this is a process of making soup or salad. So, and sometimes we can be successful. Something which doesn't work well. So we are still sansara the world of good and bad. And we try to uh, you know, do good work in order to get a good result. But sometimes we fail. That is where we live. We practice. And yet we practice this not for the sake of this person, not to satisfy or uh, satisfy this person's desire 
but to for all beings, or in the kind of, in the case of Buddhist Sangha, for the Sangha or for the community, then this failure uh, can be very good teacher. Teacher, you know, we can we can study more things from failure, from mistakes, than from successful experience. When we are successful, we just we just be happy, and we don't think about. But when we have mi mistakes, we have to think what is the cause of mistake, and try not to the, to do the same mistakes. That is the way we study the Dharma. So, if we practice this attitude, with this attitude, then both sansara and nirvana are there. And this is one with this entire process of bodhisattva path from allowing bodhicitta until uh, reaching the Buddhahood. So this is not a kind of a special uh, kind of a uh, special or unique idea, but this came really from the very basis of Mahayana teaching in order to make our practice and our life within this lifetime, even though we are not enlightened at all, still if we practice this uh, practice following Buddha's teaching wholeheartedly, right now, right here, within this practice, Buddha's awakening or Buddhahood is manifest itself. It's not because our effort, but because our you know, small effort and this entire entirety of reality are connected. So it's not our, how can I say, achievement, <coughs> but this is uh, the benefit, uh, not benefit, this is a virtue of uh, this interconnected origination. Well, uh, long way to go. <laughs> Let me go to the next sentence. <laughs> so, uh, next three sentences, he talks about Tozatsu or liberation. And uh, last two sentences, he talks about manifestation. Uh, he says, uh, liberation means that life liberates itself from life, and also death liberates itself from death. So life, is, life and death are not two separate things, and life is uh, restricted within life, and death is restricted within death, and they are fixed, then uh, we cannot die. You know, life and death are two separate things, and usually we think life is something uh, desirable, and death is something not desirable, so we cling to life, and we have fear when we think about death. But uh, life and this are really one thing. The process of living from our birth is a process, process of dying. And whenever, uh, you know, any time 
our life become death. If we think in this way, <coughs> then you know life and death is dichotomy. And I like this, and I hate that. And I then I don't want to see that side, and I want to uh, continue to live forever. If we live in that way, and we have to face death sooner or later, then life and death is really a painful and a fearful thing. But if we understand the process of this uh, changing and interconnectedness, then life and death is not too opposite, separate and opposite thing. But life and death are really one thing. Then, you know, this is a very natural process. Then we don't need to hate or dislike and uh, death or dying or reject or resist against death or dying. But we can kind of, as far as we are living, we are still, we are already dying. If we really understand this is a kind of natural process and this life and this is happening within this uh, entirety of interconnectedness and even when we are born, nothing is really born. That means uh, nothing is really added and even when we die, nothing is really lost. You know, from the uh, very moment of Big Bang, the beginning of this universe, nothing is added from outside of the universe, and nothing taken out from this universe. That means we were already there at the moment of Big Bang. And even when we are, uh, we are born, you know, nothing is added. And when, even when we die, nothing is lost. You know, this, this is the same as bubble. You know, when bubble, you know, came up, came from the bottom of the water and stay for a while, and when it reach the surface, it disappear. But nothing is added when bubble came out from the bottom of the water and nothing is lost when the bubble disappeared and become one with the entire sky. You know, if we understand this, uh, this is also about manifestation and liberation or form and emptiness as one. If we think our life in this way, you know, this is not something we have fear or we have to hate. Of course, it's important to uh, have fear. If we don't have fear and if we don't have pain, then we don't want to live. That is a, another problem. You know, we, we have to uh, say yes to this life. To do so, you know, uh, if we 
sometimes we feel we don't we want to die. I don't want to live anymore. But it, you know, because of fear and pain and sadness, we continue to live. So you know, those fear and pain, when we are sick, we have pain and we don't like it. But pain is a very important function of our life. We, if we don't have pain, even we are sick, then we try not to, or we don't try to heal. That is not not healthy. So having fear against against death is a healthy healthy thing to keep living. But we need to kind of uh, how can I say embrace this fear against death also as a body or body and mind as a five scandals. Uh, this is a collection of all different elements. So five scandals is. Uh, kind of tendency to keep this element together. So it's uh, resist against this path. And that is a healthy uh, function of five skandhas. But if we think, you know, this is good thing and life is bad thing, then we have a trouble. We have another trouble. So we need both. Life is important and precious, and yet that this is not something we hate. We need to hate, but life and this are together. But that's life. That is what Dogen says in Shobogenzo Shoji. Shoji, as I said, is uh, life and this is uh, sansara in traditional Buddhism. But Dogen said in Shobo Genzo Shoji or Life and Death uh, as Life and Death is Buddha's life. So uh, life is important. But this is uh, not our enemy. But this is part of our life or part of Buddha's life. So uh, this liberation means that life liberates itself from life. So life can be death any time. Well, life and death are really interpenetrate each other. And also death liberates itself from death. I don't know about much about death because I never did. And Dogen basically talks about life, rest of this uh, sentence, this uh, writing, because this is not reality for us. We may not know, and when we are dead, this person is not there, so we don't need to think about death. But because we are alive, we have to think about life, and uh, this, uh, the, this is a part of our life, so we have to think about this within our life. But both are part of this uh, transition and also interconnectedness. So therefore, there is living life and death. There is entering life and death. Both are the great way 
that is simply, I'm sorry, completely penetrated. This leaving is shutsu <coughs> shoji. And uh, entering is new shoji. We enter life and death when we are born and start to live. And uh, we live life and death when we die. Is it true? I'm not sure. We, en we live uh, life, but we enter death. But here, what Dogen said is we, we enter and live both life and death. It's not mean we enter life and live life, but we enter life and death, and we live life and death. That means, uh, in this case, this life and death is not, uh, you know, this being born and dying, but life and death is one word. You know, as I said uh, the day before yesterday, uh, some uh, pure land priest invent this Chinese character. The final stroke of, you know, life, and first stroke of death, is the same stroke for this person. He he thought this uh, when he had cancer and he was in the hospital. You know, he, of course, he had to think about life and death. So he thought life and death is one thing. And he asked, the pure and priest asked Uchiyamuroji, how do you read this Chinese character? And he said this, uh, he read this Chinese character, life and death, as one word, as here and now. Here and now means, uh, you know, he, he was in the hospital with cancer, so he may die any time. So he was really on this stroke, and any time he go this way. So he did this Chinese character as here and now. And asked, he asked Uchiyamaroshi, how does he did uh, this strange uh, Chinese character, life and death as one thing. And his Uchiyamaroshi's answer is in his Teisho, or commentary, on Genjo Koan. You know, the three commentaries on Genjo Koan was published uh, two years ago. Three commentary means Uchiyamaroshi's and Suzuki Roshi's and uh, Nishiari Boksan's. Uh, in the part of Uchiyamaroshi's lecture on Genjo Koan, he talks about these characters. So I don't have time to talk about this, but uh, about what Uchiyamaroshi said. If you are interested in, please read that book. So what Dogen is saying is 
entering life and death and leaving life and death. In this case, this life and death is uh, sansara. That is, a, a, how can I say, a continuation of being born, living, and dying, and reborn. That is usual, common uh, meaning of life and death as a Buddhist term. And enter life and death means we live together with all beings. We stay in this sansara. And leaving uh, sansara means entering nirvana. But as I said, as a Bodhisattva precept, there's no such things called entering and uh, exiting or leaving sansara. We are always within sansara. And yet we are not within sansara. I think uh, lighting these two sides together, Dogen tried to point out Bodhisattva practice. We freely enter Nirvana, means working together with all beings within this uh, Saha world, the world uh, of patience. And yet, while even we are staying in this world, we are free from sansara. You know, that, that means Mujo uh, Shonehan or Nirvana of no abiding. So this is not two separate cases, but Bodhisattva freely enter and leave this world of sansara. And the next one is, there is abandoning life and death. There is crossing over life and death. Both are the great way that is completely penetrated. This abandoning might not be a good translation. And crossing over also. The original word Dogen used is Sha. And next crossing over is Do. Uh, usual meaning of Sha as a common Japanese means to give up or abandon or discard or throw away. But as a Buddhist uh, term, <coughs> this word sha uh, means no attachment. No attachment and yet no detachment. Neither attachment nor detachment. It's kind of a neutral. We don't uh, want to get it as my possession, and yet we don't hate things. That is uh, called Sha. And this Do uh, is crossover, means, you know, this crossover the river from uh, this shore of Sansala and other, the other shore of Nirvana. So this can mean abandoning or giving up life and death. It also means being free from Sansala. 
and door is crossing over, and this door also means to save or free. Free the people's suffering, uh, help other people to be free from suffering. You know, that is what is said in, uh, in the Heart Sutra, the very beginning of the Heart Sutra, said Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, when deeply practicing Prajna Paramita, clearly see, clearly see the emptiness of five skandhas, and, and fat, uh, and relief all sufferings. This, this relief is a translation of do. In Chinese, the uh, sentence is do isai kuyak, save or help all sufferings. So Bodhisattva, when he see, clearly see the emptiness of, of five skandhas, he help or relief or save all beings from all sufferings. So seeing emptiness is see is helping uh, or saving all sufferings. That is what is said in the very beginning of the Heart Sutra. That means there's no one who, who is suffer and nothing uh, that can suffer the person because no such person. That is very basic point of teaching of uh, emptiness. Anyway, so what Dogen is saying here is we, our Bodhisattva, freely uh, being free from life and death, and yet uh, <coughs> he, Bodhisattva, freely help others within life and death. So Bodhisattva can active, can be active within sansara, with all beings, with all beings, and try to help other beings, and uh, trying to make effort to find nirvana within this shore, within sansara. And that is uh, the great way of all Buddhas, and also great activity of Avalokiteshvara. As I said, you know, Avalokiteshvara means uh, this entirety of network of interdependent origination, and each and every beings within this network are hands and eyes of Avalokiteshvara. So, uh, you know, even though we are, you know, such a small being and our capability is really limited, but somehow because of our bodhicitta awakening mind and because of our vow, bodhisattva vows, uh, we try to offer something, try to offer even a little bit help to others not only work for the sake of this person's benefit. If we, when we practice and live 
with that attitude, then we can find nirvana and interconnectedness within this world, this actual world we are living, within this uh, shore. And that is, uh, you know, one with this great way of all Buddhas. Or we can say, within this our each and every small and limited uh, practice and effort to help others, you know, Buddha's great way or Buddha's awakening manifests itself. Otherwise, without our, you know, a small and limited practice and activity, you know, Buddha's awakening is only in the text, only in the record, and it's done, it's over, you know, more than 2,000 years ago. But because of our, uh, you know, very tiny and uns often unskillful practice and activity, you know, Buddha's awakening continues. So through uh, the practice of uh, so-called Buddhist, Buddha's awakening continues. You know, that is the same point as, you know, uh, those two Dharma brothers, uh, Zengen and Seksho, when they discussed about how to uh, succeed or continue their teacher's life and dharma. One person said, Zengen said, this is a place I need to make effort. And another person, Seksho, said, there is no such place to make effort because we are already one with their teacher's life. And uh, so these two uh, aspects is really important. We make effort. We can do as much as possible. And because uh, there's no such me or my actions, then this is actually Buddha is working. Or Bodhisattva of great compassion, or Avalokiteshvara, is working through our five skandhas. It's not really my personal action. Actually, this is my personal action, of course. What I'm doing now is my personal action activity. I'm talking about my understanding from my personal experience and the study of Dharma. But there's no, as I said before, there's no such things called me or Shohak. So what I'm talking, what I'm doing, is a manifestation of my teacher's teaching. So this is a continuation of my teacher's life. Through, within what I'm doing, my teacher's life continues. Or, or what, through our practice and studying, and you know, actual working, Buddha's life continues. So even though we are not enlightened, or we are not so great beings, and we cannot do so much, so such a big thing, but you know, little by little, bit by bit, small activities of each one of us is only way Buddha's great way is manifested within this uh, space and time.
So our practice is really important and precious thing. I think that is what he's talking. Well, let me finish about real, uh, manifestation. Two more sentences. Manifestation is life, and life is manifestation. Very simple. But according to uh, Kishida Ian Roshi's commentary, there's another side is not written. But uh, this is a kind of a Japanese rhetoric. That means when Dogen said, manifestation is life and life is manifestation, we have to see this is manifestation and manifestation is this, even though it's not there, it's not written. So this is about both, not only about life, but both about life and death. So not only life, but this is also manifestation. And at the time of the manifestation, there is nothing but the total manifestation of life. There is nothing but the total manifestation of death. So both uh, life and death is a total manifestation of this Buddha's great way. Whether we are alive or dead, both are a manifestation of this uh, network, entire network of interdependent origination. And actually, our life is not this only simply limited these five skandhas as individual person, because these five skandhas are furnishings of this entire universe. Actually, this entire universe or entire network of interdependent origination is me, is Shohaku. So uh, when, even when I was born 65 years ago, nothing was added. And sooner or later, I'm gone, but nothing is lost. You know, life continues. So both life and death is a manifestation of great way of Buddha. If we really see our life in this way, then this is not something we have to hate or uh, like an enemy. But we can ac accept, of course, we have fear, but we can accept even including the uh, fear. Uh, well, I think this is a good place to stop and continue this afternoon. Any question? We don't have much time. Please. I think so. You know, according to uh, some Buddhist texts, uh, after Buddha became uh, old, I don't know, we, no one knows this is really historically true or not. But uh, in uh, around the end, not, not really end, but when Buddha became old, you know, his uh, 
what do you call, kingdom or country or nation called uh, Shakya Kuran uh, was invaded and attacked by the king of Kosara. Kosara is one of the largest kingdom in India at that time. And the king of Kosara had kind of uh, hatred against Shakya Kuran because of some karmic things. And uh, king of Kosara attacked uh, Kapilabast and his clan, Shakya clan, was all killed and dis disappeared. At that time, Shakya Muni Buddha tried to stop the attack and he did it twice. And third time, he didn't. So, uh, you know, his clan was really disappeared. I don't think he, uh, he was without pain or emotional, you know, suffering when he saw, you know, his nation was uh, all killed. If Buddha was such a person, I'm not so much interested in Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think even. Uh, after he became Buddha, he had uh, emotional uh, suffering also. Okay, please. Yeah, I, just one question. When we dove in, he doesn't refer to awareness and what the nature of awareness is. I mean, it's sort of implied, I guess. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not sure how to take this. So, we see phenomena, we see thoughts in our mind, but we mm. know that there's this thing of awareness that's seen. We are awareness. Mm. I, I know awareness to be aware of itself. Well, I think what, you know, he's writing in Shobogenzo, and what he, he expand in the, uh, recorded in Ehekoroku and uh, his description of us, uh, the way things should be done in Ehe Shingi or regulation of monastic life. Uh, I think all those, uh, his teaching is expression of his aware awareness, I think. So he didn't put put too much emphasis of, you know, experience of awareness or awakening or enlightenment in kind of a concrete actions. But uh, all of his teaching and his life is based on the, the, you know, this basic awakening that we are together with all beings. Of course, within this, uh, we sometimes have some experience that, you know, what uh, I studied from Buddha, or what I studied from Dogen is really true. And that is a kind of important experience to me. But if we put uh, too much emphasis on this, you know, personal concrete awareness, then I feel like, uh, like those reality is something uh, kind of a object of my effort. I think that is what Dogen 
try to uh, avoid, I think. Please? What is practice? What is practice? What is not practice? I think everything we do uh, in our daily lives, including sitting in the zendo and studying uh, dharma and working uh, in the kitchen and other places and living together with your family and uh, at your work and within this larger uh, community or society. Everything we do is our practice, I think. Vow. Yeah. I think vow is a direction and, in a sense, intention. But this is not a personal intention. Somehow, even I sometimes I don't like it, but sometimes, but somehow, I cannot avoid it. So there's some uh, tension within me. As a person, as a self-centered person, I don't want to do this, but somehow, I have to do this. It's not uh, because of the uh, order from the authority or because of the regulations, but somehow inside of myself, I, how can I say, uh, some deeper motivation than my personal like and dislike. If that is intention, then yes, that is intention. But uh, I call it uh, the power of vow, voice of vow. Okay. Please. Unconditioned? Uh, unconditioned. Probably it, our thinking, understanding, and action is still conditioned, I think. But we can be a little more flexible, you know, instead of uh, reacting right away. When we see something we don't like, often we react right away and attack or criticize or express our hatred. Instead of react right away, we can think or see from different uh, angle or perspective. Then we can have deeper understanding and also broader perspective and uh, can be uh, flexible and compassionate with the things we don't like or the person who does something uh, unwholesome to us. So uh, it's not unconditioned. I think we are still conditioned. But we can be even a little bit flexible and broader. Does it make sense? Okay. Please? You talked about the first vow, beings are numberless, I vow to save them, mm -hmm. free them. Mm -hmm. But you also talked about how that sets up the, the separation and about uh, deeper being about awakening with all beings. 
you feel that awakening with all beings is a more accurate um, translation or just more accurate interpretation? Uh, when I work on translation, I try to translate the words, not the meaning. <laughs> so my translation is, I try to make a kind of a literal translation instead of free translation uh, to uh, express the meaning. So uh, I don't think my translation is good English. And that is why I have to speak so much. <laughs> if you know, my translation is very accurate, uh, good English, then I don't need to speak so much. But to me, it's not possible. So I translate as literal as possible. And I try to explain the meaning of each expressions. As English, these are not uh, natural expression, I think. So, um, how can I say? Uh, I think American people need to uh, study through translation and uh, express in uh, your own ex uh, words or expressions. That is what Dogen did when he, he studied in China and came to Japan, and he wrote Shobo Genzo in Japanese. Oh, even though his Shobo Genzo is still very difficult, but anyway, he, he tried to write in Japanese. So uh, I think uh, you need an uh, uh, English Buddhist text written by American. Please. So if, if, the, if the meaning is really more awakening with all beings, so then yeah. does it make sense for us to start saying that as opposed to saying save all beings? To save all yeah, beings? Uh, yes. So to save all beings means to live together with all beings. There's no way, you know, uh, like uh, I'm a millionaire, so I can give money to any people who need money. That is not how we can save. But when we awake the reality we're all connected, then uh, we can offer even little, little things we can. That is how we uh, help others, so we cannot really save. You know, even, you know, I have two children, even I cannot help my children. <laughs> How can I, you know, save other people? It's beyond my ability. So we need to understand that point. Yes. Okay, now oh, please. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding about the ash and the firewood, mm -hmm. the way I think it is, mm -hmm. uh, you look at it one way, mm -hmm. ash is thoroughly ash, yeah. completely ash, mm -hmm. the way it disappears. Mm -hmm. um, the other way, the <coughs> continuity, mm -hmm. the tree becomes the firewood, yes. becomes the ash. Mm -hmm. So I'm struggling with this, is that, how is that not dualistic? 
these two sides is really uh, one reality of uh, how can I say uh, two how can I say uh, two different expression or observation of one reality. So if we think there are two separate uh, aspect in this reality, then I think we make a mistake. These two kind of uh, opposite observation or expression is about the same reality. Does it make sense? So Dogen said we have to see this reality from both sides. He doesn't say this is correct, that is not correct. But both are the correct view. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, another example might be, you know, when, we st uh, when I was a high school student, we studied about light, light. Uh, light uh, from one way of observing the light, light is the particles, and from another way where light is waves. You know, waves and particles are almost contradicted. But light can be, is not can be, is both. You know, if it's a wave, there's no such individual particles, right? So waves is continuation, and a particle is, in a sense, independent. But light has both nature. And not only the light, but we are the, have the same kind of nature. We are like a wave, and yet we are like individual particle. And firewood and ash is also so the, the same. So you see both directions? Both? You see both waves at once? Yes. You know, it's not possible to see both ways at once. That fact is, uh, I said, by not seeing, both are there. <laughs> you know, in my, in my letting go of thought, both are there. But when I start to think, we see one side, this side or that side. That's why, you know, letting go of thought is important. <laughs> Our thinking uh, cannot embrace, you know, to con uh, contradicted things. It's really difficult, you know, logically, very difficult to accept both uh, uh, views which are contradicted. But uh, in, with letting go, both are there, and that's okay. <laughs> Okay, thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.